From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home. Your long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Now, this is going to be interesting, this hour of the program, because our uh, phones are not cooperating. So, if you've got a line, hold on to it, if you can hear me. Uh, we're not able to uh, put the phones on the air from the other side of the glass. So I'm going to try to do it manually from this side of the glass, and we will see where we get. We are doing open lines until the bottom of the hour, and then, hopefully, uh, we'll be able to reach out to Rosemary Ellen Guiley, our paranormal investigator, for our monthly paranormal news roundup. Uh, welcome back to the program. Ian, uh, Ian Robertson is here, my fine rockabilly friend, uh, Albert Vinzel, story producer, intrepid remote viewer, and uh, our feature producer, Ryan White, is uh, with us as well. All right, let's try this, shall we? We're going to try and say hi to Joel. Can you hear me, Joel? Yeah, that's me. There you are. Yeah. Welcome. I want to talk about that $10 million, okay, Richard? Yes. Okay, we have uh, federal MPs, right? We do indeed, yeah. How many do we have, 200, 240? Uh, it's closer to, it's 300 and something. Yeah, okay. My point is, uh, when the House is in session in Ottawa, have the MPs vote either for or against that bequeathment of $10 million, and then put it in the newspaper which MPs voted for that bequeathment and which MPs voted against it, okay? You'd like to know who's for and against. Yeah, that's, well, that's a procedural thing. I don't know that the Liberal government is ever going to put such a thing to a vote. This was a Supreme Court decision. It was unanimous back in 2010. Yeah. Perhaps we need to be more concerned about who we're appointing to the uh, the bench. Well, I'm uh, I'm talking about a democracy. Canada's supposed to be a democracy. We elected federal MPs, right? Yes, that goes without saying. Okay, thank you very much. All right, thank you, Joel. We're talking about uh, the $10 million settlement and an apology to Omar Khadr, who was in Afghanistan, 15 years old, yes, a child soldier. Father was Al-Qaeda. Omar Khadr was in an Al-Qaeda trading camp. Um, his father had ties to... Uh, Bin Laden, it is said. So there's no question that he was being uh, trained and he was certainly inculcated with all of the uh, jihadi brainwashing and so forth. And he threw a hand grenade and killed one U.S. soldier, a U.S. medic, leaving behind a widow and two young children, and wounded another, leaving that person permanently blind in one eye. Now, the, uh, the widow of the U.S. medic has sought, uh, actually won a settlement in the United States, a wrongful death settlement, will not likely collect that money. I believe her lawyers came to Canada and are trying to see if there's any way they can get some of that money that's going to Cotter. Uh, I mean, if he, if he is truly rehabilitated, if Omar Cotter is good for his word and he's totally rehabilitated... Why doesn't he give the lion's share of that money to the widow? 
that would demonstrate, at least to me, that he is sincere. Will he do that? I'm highly doubtful. I'm highly doubtful. All right, uh, let's see. Who is next? Let's say hi to uh, Brenda. Brenda, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Hi, Richard. It's not Brenda. It's Paul. Oh, all right. Paul, how are you? I'm very good. I'm sorry to hear about your phones going out of whack, but at least the power's still on. That's a good thing. Yes, small mercies. We're good to go. I uh, I wanted to relay the uh, pictures I sent to you for the uh, May 6, 2015 sighting. Our latest, our, our latest, the latest UFO sighting. Yes, I did get those, and um, that was kind of a strange one you sent me. It's kind of an oblong-looking uh, craft, if that's what it was. Um, how was that one behaving in the sky? Well, uh, as I just came out from uh, afternoon break uh, with a couple of people, uh, about after uh, five minutes at 3.05, I noticed it uh, to the north, actually in the same area uh, where I reported the last week's one mm-hmm. uh, for July 8, 2016. And uh, it was very low, uh, probably about, again, uh, under 150 feet. Uh, in altitude and about a half a mile away. And when I had first noticed it, it really looked strange because it was flashing the light also, and its movements were kind of jerky and uh, uh, kind of like sort of would stop just for a split second and continue on. What was the date of this latest sighting? This was on May 6th, May 6th. Uh, 2015. All right. And uh, it was first noticed at uh, 3.03. That's by my... Uh, Timestamp on my camera. Right. When I first noticed it, mm-hmm. and uh, it 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 was really strange to see the way it was moving and glinting, and almost like if it was changing shape. Which, of course, as you look at the images, it does seem to have some kind of uh, morphing ability and mm-hmm. uh, appearance. Yes. Now, for our listeners, Paul does send me these photographs, uh, these JPEGs via email, and uh, I did receive this one. Uh, and I did notice, yeah, this was kind of a, it, it, it was almost more like a vertical type craft rather than, you know, the flat kind of saucer shaped disks. This was sort of straight up and down. Uh, very interesting images. The first picture taken, Richard, uh, you can see another craft uh, beside it or further away that looked a little more larger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I assume maybe the smaller one came out of that craft, or there was uh, another type of uh, intelligence checking out that thing. I really don't know. All right. But well, unfortunately, I'm going to have to keep this one short because, um, as I said, I'm having some difficulties with the phones, and I need to, in order to sure. get the next caller on, i got to let you go. Oh, okay. Just to finish it off, yeah. uh, I yelled it out to the two witnesses. They both looked quickly, plain, plain, plain. I said, okay, uh, I took the pictures, and I showed them later, said it's not a plane, so both did 180. All right, thank you for that, Paul. We'll look forward to your next UFO update. That's Paul out Oshawa way. All right, uh, let's see, who do we have here? Welcome. Can you hear me? Yes. Is that Brenda? Yes, hello, Richard. Hi, How Brenda. Are you tonight? Very well, thank you. Brenda, is um, the uh, you're the, the, the targeted individual who sent me something in the mail, correct? Yes. I have the right one. All right. Uh, Brenda, just give us a real quick update, or not an update, but a, a, a summary of your situation. This was out in Stony Creek. 
It was actually in Toronto. In Toronto. My apologies. Why did I think it Stony Creek? It was in Toronto, and um, I have spoken briefly at the last police service board meeting, which was on June the 15th. Okay, but I mean, I, I, no, I don't mean that about that. I mean a summary of your... of your with this? Well, you, you're, you believe that you and your family are being yes. or, a gang-stalked by an organized yes. group in your neighborhood that are trying to yes. get you out of the neighborhood, and they're harassing yes. you. Correct. Right. The police are involved in this. And I have documented for a number of years their involvement. And I have provided some new evidence to the police very recently, and I'm awaiting a response. All right. Now, I know that you, you received some sort of a, you uncovered some sort of a court document that you say yes. sort of buttresses your case. Now, I know you yes. sent me a package, and I have to apologize. I haven't had time to look at that. It's okay. sitting, it is in my office, and uh, I will get to it. But do you want to tell I'm me what's in that you package? I am going to drop off, uh, basically it shows the police saying in order to protect the people that were harassing us that we are all crazy. In particular, I'm crazy, but we all are as well. We're crazy people and these people are innocent. They haven't done anything. So it took a long number of years to get that document. I got it, sent you a copy. I'm also going to be dropping off in the next few days a mental health letter that I'm mentally healthy. Because well, I what, feel excuse that, me, uh, Brenda, but what sort of a what sort of a document would would show what you just described? The the police ex- basically, it's a few sheets of a court transcript that I was unable to get. I've been unable to get it for years, and I don't know if you know this, but when you're involved in a legal proceeding, um, you're supposed to be able to get a transcript of that proceeding. So it shouldn't have been difficult to get hold of it, but I've only just got hold of it. And basically, the two policemen that are mentioned, their names are spelled wrong, but one of their badge numbers is correct. Well, okay. Uh, yeah, don't, please don't divulge any of that information on the Correct. Air. All right. So I now know who they are, and um, I am happy to have this document. I handed it out already at the last police services board meeting. I did get to speak briefly, and I've been promised another five minutes this month to speak again on the same topic. And basically, I believe from attending the meetings, held by Justice Tulak last year. As you know, Justice Tulak was looking into police complaints, and a number of people appeared saying that they'd been taken away by the police. They don't know why. Hmm. Person after person saying they were frightened of the police. Right. They, they were taken away. Okay, Brenda, and listen, I do, I do promise I will have a look at that document, and I, the next time you call in, I can speak to it. Uh, I haven't yeah. seen it as yet, and I look forward to looking at it. Next Sunday. Okay. Yes, and our next Sunday is our targeted individual special. Yes, I can't wait. All right. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you very much. I'm grateful for all the time you spent on this topic. All right. My pleasure. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who do we have here? Welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Hi there. Hello. Hi. Who's this? It's me, Earl, pal. We were cut off. Ah, hi. Yeah, we're having trouble with the phones, Earl, but you're yeah. on now. Uh, what about voodoo? What do you think of voodoo? What do I think of it? Yeah. <laughs> I stay, I give it a wide berth, my friend. I get, I stay as clear from it as I possibly can. Yeah. Why? I had a bad experience when I was younger with that. I was having nightmares and I, when I opened my eyes, I could see these massive disappearing, coming at me and disappearing and a witch doctor dancing around when I closed my eyes. That was a heck of an experience. Uh, and were you, Taking any sort of medication at the time? No, or? no, no. This happened to me when I was a teenager. I All was, right. And why uh, do you think it has anything to do with voodoo? I don't know. You know, I mean, it's really strange. 
you know, if I had not been awake at the time, I would have said, well, you know, it's a, just a bad nightmare. But, mm. you know, it looked like a witch doctor, you know, uh, uh, dancing around in circles with uh, disappearing and appearing and disappearing. I was a teenager at the time. Well, was, uh, maybe maybe someone tried to put a, a hex on you. Yeah, that's what I think. Somebody tried to put a voodoo curse on me. <laughs> right. Have you ever seen a movie called The Serpent and the Rainbow? <laughs> yeah. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> okay, pal, you take care of yourself. All right, he's not interested. All right, thank you for that. Uh, who's this? Welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Who do we have on the line here? Hello? Hello? Hi there, who's this? Hello, it's William. Hey, William. Hi. Uh, uh, I, too, am a targeted uh, uh, person, and uh, you, my documentation should be coming in the mail uh, <laughs> right. any day now. If you could pass it on to John R. Hall, I give you permission to do that in the documentation. Well, uh, William, I hope you'll call in next week uh, yeah, when we do the program. Right now, and uh, yeah. Briefly, I'd like to make a comment on, on, the, on the Omar Carter case. Yes. Um, it, it's not what Omar Carter did, it's what we did to him, and uh, it goes against our Constitution, and uh, the good thing that came out of this case is that it sets a good court precedent uh, for other people to take a court action and and keep this thing under control. So well, these here, kind of things. Here's my question. Here's people. my question. Does sleep deprivation? I know it's considered in it's many no quarters to be torture, but sleep but sleep deprivation is <laughs> compared to what we are up against. Let's face it. We are at war with radical Islamic terrorism, and to, I'm sorry, but a little bit of sleep de- deprivation, if it could save lives. Uh, is you know is not the worst thing, and um, I'm so, that's the way I feel. I don't think sleep deprivation should be considered torture, and uh, I certainly don't think that uh, he should have received ten million dollars and an apology. He was repatriated. He got to serve out his sentence here. That's his reward, if you will. But well, but uh, and and do you think there's a good court precedent set for other people that uh, you may think uh, have more legitimate? causes to pursue the listen this is not matters. to me this was a this was a enemy combatant this doesn't fall under you know uh, criminal proceedings this is extra criminal proceeding this is extra legal we're talking about here he's an enemy combatant this is war okay, so it won't apply to uh... it may it may okay however we've opened that can of worms yeah William thank you for that thank you for taking my call sir more open lines on the other side stay with us You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley will join us at the bottom of the hour for our monthly Paranormal News Roundup. And uh, we'll talk, as I said, about uh, Rob Lowe, actor Rob Lowe's encounter with Bigfoot during the taping, I believe, of a uh, a reality show he's involved with, sort of outdoor adventures, and uh, this is with his his two sons. We'll also talk about a... um, Oh, the Marines, the U.S. Marines are using ESP again. Didn't they get rid of um, the remote viewing program, Albert, a few years ago? Uh, Operation Stargate and uh, all those? It goes to a different level of black ops you never hear about. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure you're right. All right. Let's say hi to uh, Drew out in Mississauga. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show, Drew. Good morning, Richard. How are you? Well, thank you. Perfect. So um, fake news has been a term that's been in the media for several months now. But one thing I just want to would suggest for a potential future show discussion is uh, distraction news, uh, if you want to call it that. So certain times, um, 
the certain stations in the USA, even in Canada, would publish a big story for a week or two to hide some real events hiding behind the scenes that doesn't want to be mainline news and hides other facts. So, like Seth Rich, like last year, uh, I know Seth Rich came, uh, the incident happened after the fact, but there was a popular app that came out last summer and they were talking about that app on the news and drowning out real news stories. Not pretend, not fake news, but distraction news. What do you right. think about that? I, I, I think you're, you're 100% correct, Drew. There's, there is, there's fake news and then there is, uh, then there's, there's getting the story wrong, which is not necessarily uh, the same as fake news, I mean, floating a fake story. Uh, then there is omission, which is, you know, guilty, the guilty, um, guilty by omission, just not reporting the news. And uh, instead of reporting on Seth Rich, uh, you know, they'll run some, uh, you mentioned the story about the app, I don't remember that one, but... Uh, oh, I believe it was uh, Pokemon. Right, so, yeah. yeah, 100%. That goes on all the time. No, but it'd be interesting to make a tally of what comes out in the future and keep track of that. But that's all. Thank you. Right. Okay. Appreciate that, Drew. No, it's a, it's, a, it's very true. And um, Seth, I mean, the me- mainstream media has not talked about Seth Rich at all. It's they will, they will. It's like kissing the third rail for them. They just will not do it. They won't go anywhere near it. And that is just, it is so strange. The total lack of curiosity. Okay, so maybe it was a botched robbery. Why can't we know which hospital he was taken to? Why can't we see the ballistics report? Why can't we see the uh, the autopsy? Why aren't the police re- re- responding to the FOIA requests? Why does the mayor seem to be rushing to judgment? The mayor saying this was a botched robbery, case closed. Very unusual. 416-360-0740 and toll free from out of town just about anywhere 1-866-740-4740 and uh, just again a reminder if uh, you'd like to get on up to the Twitter feed at Richard Serrett at Richard Serrett S Y R E double T, and uh, you can participate in the uh, the poll, and it has to do with the Liberal government of Canada giving Omar Carter a formal apology and ten million dollars in compensation. A convicted terrorist. This was a decision reached by the Supreme Court, a unanimous decision back in 2010, that Omar Carter's charter rights were violated. And uh, this stems, of course, from Omar Khadr, 15 years, 15 years old at the time, on the battlefield in Afghanistan, killed a U.S. A soldier, a medic, seriously wounded a second soldier. Khadr was injured. He was His life was saved by U.S. medics. He was taken uh, back to Guantanamo. And the um, the conservative government, refused at first to repatriate him, but they've finally agreed, grudgingly. But it was the Liberal government prior to that that refused to uh, to, uh, repatriate him. It was the Liberal government that caused this problem to begin with. Now the Liberals are blaming the Conservatives. Interesting. All right, so if you'd like to participate in that poll again, just go to my Twitter feed, at Richard Serrett, and uh, the question is, 
was the Canadian Liberal government correct to make it a formal apology to Omar Khadr and uh, award $10 million to him? All right, let's say hi to Lucy. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show, Lucy. Hey, Richard. Hi there. Oh, yeah. Um, I'd like you to reiterate a good news story that came out about a half or one whole year ago about the new court that was being set up, international court for criminal national behavior, international criminal behavior, um, and it was very secretive who was involved, but it was going to be comprehensive for the whole globe, and it was going to start to clamp down on some of this nonsense. It was before Trump got in. Uh, I know you were you were the one that talked about it, nobody else, but it was a very good news story that they were going to start to make these, I guess, uh, corporations and, and, you know, um, world leaders start to have to account for some of the criminality, maybe the, the bank criminality and the, you know, uh, other types of, uh, you know, maybe it was when TPP was still looming. Uh, you know, so it was quite a while ago, maybe three quarters of a year ago, something like that. I seem to recall, the, yes, we, I had someone on, uh, Albert, do you remember th- this guest? And yeah, he was, um, he was advocating or pushing for the formation yeah. of this international uh, court that would go after, uh, I guess, you know, like the globalists and yeah. these, these people, maybe the George Soros of this world and so forth. I haven't heard much about that recently, though. I would just like to keep hearing some of these good news stories, you know. Well, uh, I mean, it sounds promising, I suppose, on the surface, but to my, you know, to my knowledge, nothing has come of it. I think that was an idea being floated. I don't know that it was ever that it ever came to fruition. Hmm. The other thing, the other issue I have is I'm I'm very suspicious of a lot of these sort of international type organizations. I'm not a huge fan of the United Nations. I'm not a huge no, fan no, of. No, because it got co-opted, but. A fresh, a fresh organization, a fresh approach. They seem to have all the right, uh, uh, you know, drives. And here's another thing I've observed: is a lot of these um, things that come out, uh, you know, the opiate crisis, for instance. Yes. Um, advocating that the doctors change their approach to opiate, or, you know, legitimate pain sufferers that they drop their opiates either to zero or something, a very small fraction of what they're used to, and they're in serious, terrible pain. But when you read the uh, committee's uh, recommendations, they make no sense. They don't add up. They're not logical. And people have commented on that. And I'm finding that in a lot of cases, that they put out these official new documents. They're supposed to be guidelines, but they're talking out of both sides of their mouth. Uh, Who puts out the guidelines? Who, who, Who puts out these guidelines? Pardon me? When you say they, they put out these guidelines, who well, are you referring I'm, I'm to? I'm sure I don't remember the name of these um, groups, but um, they're right across Canada. And, of course, they're across the whole Western world, clamping down, for instance, on the opiate crisis. But there's a lot of other new guideline um, uh, documents that are written up, and they are so un- unclear about, about anything. They're mm. just not scientifically written. They're supposed to be. There's no logic they're, and they're 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 talking, uh, you know, both sides like uh, enforcing a regulation and then saying that that regulation is no longer in effect in the same document. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I know that uh, the state of Missouri recently, the attorney general has um, uh, not launched attorney a general. Uh, uh-uh, uh, it's not government. No, I'm talking about the state of Missouri, uh, Lucy. And the attorney general in the state of Missouri has they have launched criminal action against. 
um, or sorry, a lawsuit. They've launched a lawsuit against the drug companies because of this opiate crisis, uh, this epidemic that's sweeping North America, really. It's not really and it, drug companies. And it though. will be These interesting. The They're killing people, but the legitimate well, patients are having to pay the price. It's a terrible, terrible crisis. People have already committed suicide over it, and it's only just begun. But when you read the, the guideline, the new, you know, doctors have to go by it, it's, uh, there's no real definite uh, logic elucidated in these documents, and, and they often propose, uh, state both sides of, of the direction to the doctor, mm. which is really, really, and I'm finding that I hear that quite a lot in these, some, a lot of these new uh, guidelines that are written up to attack the latest new problem. And there's nothing scientific about it, um, nothing logical about it. And I find it really, really uh, curious. So you don't blame the drug companies in this instance? Not just the drug companies. Something even higher up than that. Higher up than the drug companies? Pardon me? Well, well, are you talking about the approval process, whoever approved these opiates? People that are directing, that are not even doctors in that case. um, They're... I'm sorry, I don't know, but they're a bureaucracy. They're not, you know, elected, and they really don't even have contact with doctors or their pain patients or pain management uh, professionals, nothing. They're just creating new new guidelines uh, for the doctors to follow hmm. that don't make any logical sense. They're not even in touch with reality. Okay. All right, Lucy, I appreciate anyway. your call. Yeah, I'm not really clear on what, 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 you, what you're on about in terms of guidelines and so forth. I'm not sure who they are and so forth. Uh, but there's no question uh, in my mind that the drug companies responsible uh, for these opiates, making the claims that they were safe and uh, they were effective and, uh, and so forth, are culpable in some manner. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing we will, it's quite likely we will see, more and more states lining up and hopefully some jurisdictions here in Canada as well, uh, going after these drug companies in much the same way that um, the tobacco companies eventually had to pay the piper. There are huge, huge societal economic costs as a result of uh, these drug companies' blunder, if you will. And that's being, that's being kind. That's assuming, you know, that they didn't know what they were doing, that it was a mistake. Let's give them that for now. Rosemary Ellen Guiley stands by for our monthly Paranormal News Roundup. Stay with us here on The Conspiracy Show. Corporations, governments, and sometimes entire civilizations. What goes up must come down. And it lands on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serra. All right, welcome back. Just a reminder, coming up next week on the program, our big special Two hours on targeted individuals. Dr. John Hall and John Rappaport will be here. Also, Michael Fitzhugh Bell, high-profile alleged victim of targeted uh, or electronic harassment, electronic torture, if you will. And then also, Roger Tolsis, who uh, is an expert in countermeasures uh, and can and uh, can uh, be of some assistance to targeted individuals. We'll... Uh, get to that all next week for the full two hours. Right now, Rosemary Ellen Guiley joins us for our monthly Paranormal News Roundup. She's a leading expert in the metaphysical and paranormal fields with more than 60 books published in a wide range 
of paranormal, spiritual, and mystical topics, including nine single-volume encyclopedias and reference works. Her current work focuses on interdimensional entity contact experiences, problem haunting, spirit and entity attachments, and her website is visionaryliving.com. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, how are you? Hi, Richard. Well, I'm doing very well. I'm out in the Northwest right now enjoying some pretty great weather. Excellent. I have to ask you, this story goes back almost 100 years. In the 1920s in the Soviet Union, there was a circus clown there that was trying to prove that dogs are psychic. What do you know about this story? It's a very interesting story because this clown did over a thousand experiments over a, a long period of time with different dogs trying to demonstrate how he could hypnotize them by making eye contact and send them telepathic commands to do things. And with a good measure of success, he also had a lot of failures. But uh, I think just about anybody who owns uh, dogs will testify that they seem to read our minds, that there is a telepathic rapport. And uh, these experiments were done way before more modern researchers started turning their attention to animal telepathy. Rupert Sheldrake, uh, some years ago, uh, did a lot of research on dogs. He did a book um, that was titled something like uh, Dogs Who Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home, and it was about the telepathic rapport that dogs share with their owners, that no matter how uh, separated they are, there is a telepathic link that the animals can sense what people are doing and what they intend to do. Well, this clown was more direct. Uh, His process was to make very deep and penetrating eye contact, literally use a form of hypnotism on the dog. Probably didn't need to do that. The dogs could probably pick up his thoughts anyway. But I think it's interesting that uh, here we have nearly a century ago someone doing experiments that then uh, were repeated in in a kind of a way uh, decades later. He did something like 1,300 experiments, but he was a, a circus clown. So he was working with dogs in the circus. Is that why he became interested in this research? He did have an interest in dogs and the fact that they did seem to be very responsive to thought. And he wanted to demonstrate it by doing some experiments, that it wasn't just a hunch that he could prove it. Experts are really divided on whether or not he did, because he did have a lot of failures. But I found some of his experiments very interesting, uh, you know, sending mental commands to dogs to pick things up or to sit down or to change position. And anyone who works with dogs today certainly understands or, or has the feeling that animals do anticipate what humans are about to say and about to do. 100%. I guess he was more of an animal trainer. He's been described as a circus clown. Kaczynski, he was the one that coined the term biological radio communications, which is another word for telepathy. I hadn't heard that term before. I had never heard it before either, and it's certainly a descriptive term for telepathy. I think telepathy is a handier term, but when you think about it, The idea that telepathy is some sort of a wave transmission, like radio, it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely it does. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is uh, with us for our monthly Paranormal News Roundup. And uh, this one caught my eye. Uh, This is a fascinating story. Actor Rob Lowe, not one of my favorite actors. Uh, However, uh, he has a new TV show. It's kind of an outdoor adventure show with his sons. And recently... He claims he had an up-close encounter. In fact, I think he said at one point he feared that that he was going to be killed. He had an encounter with 
some sort of a, well, a Bigfoot. Well, this story uh, really kind of irritates me because <laughs> I don't think there's a whole lot of credibility to it. You know, let's look at the situation here. You've, you've got researchers who spend years out in the field trying to document evidence for Sasquatch, and some of them never, ever have an encounter like the one Rob Lowe described. And here's a Hollywood guy who probably ran out of acting jobs, and so now he's a paranormal uh, reality TV star, and he runs out with the film crew, and right away he's being uh, attacked by Bigfoot and fearing for his life, and it's, it's all great stuff on TV. So um, I don't place much credibility in this, and I think if this is an indication, and I think it is, of the nature of the show, it's going to be um, Rob Lowe's version of the mountain monsters with a lot of running and screaming. Uh, now, this is in the Ozarks, apparently, and their version of Sasquatch they call the Wood Ape. I mean, this is it's basically a large, bipedal, hairy creature. Is it any different than the Sasquatch of the Pacific Northwest, the Wood Ape? Oh, not really. There are different regional names for Sasquatch and Bigfoot all over the world, and Sasquatch is a term that comes out of the Northwest, and it's regional, uh, even though it's kind of become a universal term. But uh, we have the skunk ape down in Florida, the Yowies in Australia, the Yetis in the Himalayas, and uh, there are variations in terms of description, but they're all pretty much the same type of being, creature, tall, hairy, humanoid, and having certain behavior characteristics. Some of them are uh, rather benign and friendly, and, and some are hostile. Um, we have many reports documented throughout the ages of people saying that they've been afraid of these creatures when they've encountered them, uh, or they've even been attacked. And uh, others say that they've developed very friendly, benign relationships that involve a lot of telepathic communication and uh, rapport, friendly rapport. So the Ozarks, they have their version of uh, Bigfoot as well, and I really have my doubts that Rob Lowe encountered much of anything. Well, here's what he said, Rob Lowe, and the program is called The Low Files, and he said, We're 100 miles from the nearest town. We spend 45 minutes on the most rugged, brutal mountain trails. It's 1 in the morning. There are a lot of serious former military men with loaded weapons. Then something starts approaching our camps that is defying their orders to stop and their warnings that they were armed. And he goes on to describe how he was on the ground, lying on the ground, thinking he was going to be killed. He said he was absolutely terrified. So it sounds like there are other witnesses there. These are former military men. So we shall see. We'll have to wait, I guess, for the final uh, episode in Season 1. We'll have to wait till then to, uh, to hear it from Rob Lowe. All right, Rosemary, stay with us. We'll come back, and uh, we'll talk about the Marines, U.S. Marines using ESP. We'll also talk about a Brazilian exorcist cult. And uh, maybe time permitting, we'll talk about your recent trip to Australia and some reappearing and disappearing objects. Rosemary Ellen Guiley stays with us. The Conspiracy Show, back in a moment. Stay with us. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley stays with us. I saw this on the, uh, the DailyBeast.com, and they have obtained, uh, via the Freedom of Information Act, the Office of Naval Research's Sense-Making Training Manual, a how-to guide for extrasensory perception. The U.S. Navy's research arm has developed a training program to help Marines weaponize their intuitions. 
in essence pushing young riflemen to trust their guts in order to, to uh, detect ambushes, spot buried bombs, and know who to trust on chaotic urban battlefields. Rosemary, isn't this an old story? I mean, they were they were doing the Stanford Research Institute was studying this, and we had Project Stargate and and various other uh, military people who came forward and and announced that they were involved in these programs. It certainly sounds like an adjunct to the uh, remote viewing program, although that was developed with a small group of highly trained individuals who were using clairvoyance for psychic spying. But this is certainly related to that, and. It makes a tremendous amount of sense. The thing is, I, I think soldiers in the field, as well as law enforcement officers, they've always used their gut instincts, which is another way of saying their ESP, in high-stress situations where their very lives are at stake. And this may be a training manual to bring that out more. What we don't know was... Was this manual ever put into effect? Was it ever actually used in the field, or was it just developed as an idea? I, I don't really see uh, Marines and soldiers starting to talk about being psychic, but certainly there are ways to train them to actually be psychic without using metaphysical terminology. And uh, it's a valuable skill to have when you're out in the field in dangerous situations you have to be able to sense where the danger is. And uh, many soldiers have stories about how their gut instincts literally save their lives, and right. that is their psychic ability. It says the Office of Naval Researchers uh, was a four-year, $4 million sense-making initiative launched in 2014. Depends on extracting environmental cues, interpreting their meaning, and then connecting them in a plausible story. So you're right, they're staying away from sort of the metaphysical terminology. They're not necessarily using terms like ESP or remote viewing or extrasensory perception. They're using the term sense-making and extracting environmental cues. Well, that's what many people think intuition is. For example, a heightened sense of smell or a heightened sense of hearing. These, you know, for example... We talk about a woman's intuition. Well, we know that women have a heightened sense of smell. They have a heightened sense of hearing. For example, a woman can tell the difference between a baby that's crying because it's hungry or a baby that's crying because, you know, it needs its diaper change. These are evolutionary things, right? They've been developed over hundreds of thousands of years. Isn't that possible? That's what ESP is. It's just a heightened, it's heightened sense of things like smell and hearing and, and so forth. I believe that we are all born with intuition, ESP, and uh, some of us have it in more marked degrees than other people, but we all have it. We can all develop it, and you're absolutely right. I think human beings have used this skill throughout history as a mechanism for survival and well-being and you know, making the best of situations, and we use it even if we're not aware of it. There was a study done in the 1960s by Douglas Dean, who was a parapsychologist, and uh, it was a survey of corporate executives on the topic of ESP and how they used ESP to be successful in the business world. And none of them used the term psychic or even intuition, but they all talked around it. They credited, for example, flying by the seat of their pants or their gut instinct or their hunches as very valuable assets to them in risk-taking and making decisions. And so that certainly applies to something like a combat situation, too. And one of my questions is, 
well, what took the Marines and the navies so long? Right. Dr. Richard Allen Miller, who's been on this program uh, several times, very interesting fellow, lives up in Oregon. He contends that he helped develop the protocols for the SEALs. Before they were actually the Navy SEALs, there was something he says called the SEAL Corporation, and he developed the protocols to help turn these SEALs into what we now call super soldiers. But uh, he was talking about training them to be psychic. So maybe there's some truth to that. That was back in the early 70s. I have to ask you about this. This is a strange one, really over the top, but, uh, I mean, the headline just screamed at me. It has to do with the secret Catholic exorcist cult in Brazil and uh, the idea that somehow they're making a deal with the devil. What, how can you uh, help sort this one out for me, Rosemary? <laughs> well, you know, these rumors and stories have circulated for a long time that there are these dark factions and cabals within the church and within the Vatican that are involved in secret devil worship. And on the surface, it seems hard to believe that right under the noses of the most pious of all in the church could be um, high-ranking individuals who would be mastering the dark arts. But there may be some credibility to at least some of it. And uh, I just recently had um, on my own show... Stephen Lachance, who is a paranormal author, and he came out with a book this year about the true story behind the exorcist case, the St. Louis exorcism case from 1949, that was the basis for the exorcist book that William Peter Blatty wrote, and then the film, which I do believe is one of the scariest films of all time. Oh, no question. We're not even allowed to have it in the house. (laughs) But he contends from his own research, and I think he's found some good evidence for it, that when this demon was exercised from the boy, and it was a boy who was afflicted, not a girl, as in the film, that this demon was not vanquished. It jumped into a priest. And uh, this is well known in demonic possession, that you have to be very careful in expelling these entities, because if they have the opportunity to attach to someone else, they will. And the people who are performing the exorcisms are the most vulnerable. So Stephen made the case, and I think he's got some good evidence for it, that there was an unnamed priest who participated in these exorcisms who remained unnamed because he was the one who got the demon, either sacrificing himself uh, knowingly or he was a victim. But there was a priest from that case who was institutionalized in a mental ward after the case until he died uh, in the 1980s. And the story was that the church allowed him to be possessed, did not do anything to remove this entity because they wanted to communicate with the devil and learn more about the demonic realm. So these stories then, like what we're referring to here tonight, are similar in nature, that there are paranormal experiments and communications with these dark entities for varying purposes. I believe that there might be some credibility to them, um, maybe not in the extreme as we get reported every now and then. I think some of these stories get very exaggerated. But underneath it all, there may be a current of truth. Rosemary, tell us about your radio program. It's Strange Dimensions, and it's on the KGRA Digital Broadcast Network. Uh, It's a year old now, and it runs every Wednesday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern. And how do we we get that? How can we listen in? 
on kgraradio.com is the website, and you can tune in live, and then the shows are posted in the archives afterwards. Excellent. All right. Now, uh, we just have a few moments, but you spent part of, uh, I guess, the early um, early summer or late spring in Australia, and um, I saw a recent posting on your website about some uh, experiences with appearing, reappearing, and disappearing objects. You call them jots. Yes, this is a term that was actually coined by an English psychical researcher, Mary Rose Barrington, and jots means just one of those things. Uh, and it refers to objects that mysteriously disappear uh, for no known reason, and they reappear in some odd location. And um, the story that I had uh, obtained from Australia, from southern Australia, involved um, uh, a man who had uh, musical instruments um, go mysteriously missing, and uh, they reappeared uh, in a bag that he uh, knew did not contain them. Um, and uh, this is a common kind of activity. I believe it's uh, poltergeists or spirits, little trickster entities uh, that do these things. Uh, this is called a walkabout and the object kind of goes walkabout, maybe in uh, another dimension. I think that uh, maybe these spirits pinch these things and uh, play with them and then uh, and then bring them back. And uh, uh, there's another kind uh, called the trade-in where uh, your object goes missing and something else uh, reappears in its place where it, it had last been seen. Uh, there are flyaways, objects go, that go missing forever, uh, and they're very common occurrences. I've collected stories from all over the world, and I have other uh, jot experiences uh, on my website as well. well I've, I've had uh, similar experiences. I don't know if this was an actual case of just one of those things, a jot, but I've, you know, and I'm, many of us have had this where you've, you've, you're looking for something, you've searched high and low. You look, let's say, for example... Uh, in a coat pocket, and you checked it, and you turned it inside out, and you checked it, and you checked it, and then that object later is to be found in that same coat pocket, and you you know that you searched that pocket. Is that what you're talking I, about? I, exactly. I've had that happen too, and uh, I don't think it's just absent-mindedness. Well, that's what we tend to blame it on. It's it's like, oh well, it must have been there, and I just didn't notice it. Uh, but uh, they, these things happen to too many people in um, strange circumstances to just explain them away as, as absent-mindedness. That's the first natural reaction. But um, uh, when they reappear in locations that are very strange, uh, that's when you really have to scratch your head. Um, like I had one case where uh, a woman's diamond earrings went missing uh, from her dresser and uh, they reappeared in a sink drain. Uh, a couple of weeks later, and um, no explanation for for how they got from location A to location B. And uh, this fellow in Australia, um, he put away his uh, electronic bagpipe and uh, put it in his case. And uh, when he unpacked his bag, the bagpipe was gone. He didn't know what happened to it, and uh, emptied everything out. Searched his car, absolutely nowhere. And um, then he takes his bag or backpack to go shopping, and uh, it was empty. And uh, he put some music in it. And um, 
when he next looked in the bag, there's his musical instrument, his electronic <laughs> bagpipe in the bag that had been empty. There you go, just one of those things, a jot. All right, we are, uh, we're out of time. Rosemary, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for this. In the meantime, we can listen Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, Strange Dimensions, and that's, uh, www.kgrradio.com kgraradio.com Thanks, Rosemary. Thank you, Richard. Good night. Good night. Thanks to Ian, Albert, Ryan, all of you for listening at home back next week. Don't forget our big two-hour special on targeted individuals. Thanks for joining me. Good night. <laughs>